0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. And we do appreciate those of you who are watching today, especially if you may be watching for the very first time. I want you to stay tuned today as we discuss this topic, God redefined in Christ. God is redefined in Jesus Christ. Stay tuned. Now on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible course. And I'd like to emphasize the course is free. And for the benefit of those who are watching today for the very first time, we'd like to uh, give you the opportunity to learn more about the course and learn how to receive it. So let's pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail. And it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 877 7115214
1: I read now from John chapter 1 verses 17 and 18 For the law was given through Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ No one has seen God at any time The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. God has revealed Himself to man in various ways. For example, God has revealed Himself to man in nature. Uh, Psalms 19 and 1 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. It's very difficult to look at the things around us in our, in our world and in our universe without realizing that there is a master architect behind it all. In Romans 1 and 20, Paul said, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There's really not an excuse for people saying there isn't a God because God has always revealed himself to man. He's revealed himself in nature. But he also has revealed himself through law. In the patriarchal age, there was uh, not a written law. Man was a law unto himself. But in the Mosaical Age, there was a giving of a law that revealed something about the nature of God. And today we have the gospel, the New Testament, the last will and testament of our Lord, that covenant, reveals something about God. So God down through the ages has revealed himself to man in various ways. For his final complete revelation to man, God... Chose a person, and that person was Jesus Christ. Go back to John 1 18. No one has seen God at any time, and that's true. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He's declared Him. Jesus Christ was the revelation of God to man. That is, God chose this person, Jesus Christ, His Son. In John 14 and 9, Jesus said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. Through Christ, God has defined and brought to light certain things that may have been very difficult for us to understand before. It is through Jesus Christ that God has given us a thorough explanation of key concepts in His will. For example, there's the concept of man. Prior to Jesus Christ, man was divided into two main camps. There there were the Jews, there were the Gentiles. And there were further divisions on a national and religious basis. And such divisions as that existed for a long, long time. And such divisions continue to exist today with many characterized by hatred and mistrust. But in the second chapter of Ephesians, Paul tells us something about what Jesus did to remove those barriers. In verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 2, But now in Christ, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of petition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make of himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. You see, in Jesus Christ, barriers are removed. There was a barrier, it's called a middle of petition between the Jew and the Gentile, and it was abolished. and Jesus Christ came to abolish the barriers that separated Jews from Gentiles that they might be one in him. Albert Schweitzer uh, when he first went to Africa had a had a very hard time with the tribalism of the natives. And one day there was a man that came uh, to his hospital and he was bleeding to death. And Schweitzer asked the man to 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 help him uh, with this man. And the man refused. And asked why he would refuse to help him with this fellow. He said, he is not from my tribe. And of course that attitude improved as he began to be taught about God's unconditional love. But I think that attitude still exists in our world today, that he's not of my tribe. But Jesus came to give us a different concept of man, that we can all be one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he took all of those divisions, all of those barriers out of the way, whatever they are, all men can be reconciled to God in one body by the cross, Ephesians 2 and verse 16. But in Jesus Christ, there is the uh, concept of sin and guilt has, has been redefined. But prior to Jesus' coming, a person could hear the law recited, and sometimes he might feel a little guilty. Uh, he would be taught that you're not to kill not to commit adultery, and he would say, "Well, I've never done those things. That that law is just for bad guys. It's not for me. It's just for somebody else." But you know, when Jesus came along, Jesus had a different definition of sin, and he drives that definition of sin deep into the heart. Someone says, "Well, I've never committed murder," but well, let me tell you what the Lord's Testament teaches. Whoso hateth brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 15. The old law said, You shall not commit adultery. Somebody says, I don't do that. But in Matthew 5 and 28, Jesus said, Whoso looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So there's a redefinition of sin. And how after God has redefined sin in Jesus Christ, how can any person claim to be without sin? That is to be sinless. And so he has redefined in Jesus Christ certain key concepts of the gospel. For example, there's the concept of love and grace. Before Jesus Christ... Many claim that love was confined to their own people. In other words, I'm going to love, but I'm just going to love my own. I'll just love my own people. You know, most people are going to work very, very hard for their own and for the good of their own family, for the good of their own clan, for the good of their tribe, for the good of their nation. But Jesus Christ came, and Jesus insisted that love go beyond that. For example, in the fifth chapter of Matthew, and incidentally, Matthew chapter 5, is one of those chapters involved in what we refer to as Jesus' sermon on the mount. Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7 compose that sermon. And I want you to read now with me from Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. So Jesus said, if you love people that love you, if you like people that like you, what have you done? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. And then verse 48. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Someone says, well, what is Jesus trying to tell us? Well, in verse 44, he explains it. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. You see, we're not only just to love people that like us, we're not only to do good to people that do good to us. If we are really doing what the Lord would have us to do, we go beyond that. We go beyond that. And God's grace, God's goodness is manifested in so many different ways. And it's illustrated in the Bible in God going beyond Going farther than man has ever thought, and we're to do the very same today. But then, in Jesus Christ, there's a con- another concept that we have, and that's the concept of forgiveness. You know, there was an old definition of forgiveness, and Peter uh, mentioned that old concept of forgiveness in Matthew 18:21, and that concept was to forgive. Seven times. Shall I forgive seven times? And some people would have thought that that was very, being very benevolent, unusually benevolent, to give forgive seven times. But you see, the Jews felt that forgiving three times was enough. But Jesus shocked them in Matthew chapter 18 when Jesus said you're not only to forgive seven times, but you should forgive 70 times 7. 70 times 7. Well, did Jesus mean mean there that when you forgive 490 times and then there's another time that someone needs to be forgiven that you're not to forgive them the 491st time? No. Jesus is trying to teach us that we are to forgive as often as forgiveness is needed. And Jesus gives us a parable that explains that. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 23. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him and owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was unable to pay, his master commanded that that he should be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I'll I'll pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Isn't that wonderful? He forgave him the debt. A debt of 10000 talents. Someone said that that would equal roughly to about $10 million. But now notice the rest of the story. That servant, the servant that had just been forgiven this enormous debt, went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. To take by the throat may suggest grabbing him by the collar and shaking him. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And he would not. Can you conceive of that? Here's a man who had just been forgiven an enormous debt that he owed that he could not pay. And here's a man that owes him just a pittance. Just a small amount of money. And he asked for it to be paid and he would not, uh, could not pay it. And so his fellow servants saw what had been done. And they were grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And then his master after he had called him said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. That is the enormous debt. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to each of you if each of you from your heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. Now, brother, you talk about changing the concept of forgiveness. Jesus did that. And this story cannot be misunderstood. It cannot be misunderstood. Here's a man who owed an enormous amount of money. And the man to whom he owed it comes and said, I, You need to pay up. And the man says, I don't have the money to pay you. He, and he said, then the man released him the debt. Can you imagine? He released him the debt. And then, here's this man who had begun forgiving this enormous amount of money, finds a man that owes him just, I call it pocket change. And he will not forgive him that debt. Jesus Christ is trying to show us that there is a different way to live and we need to be willing to forgive others just like God forgives us in ephesians 4:32 for example the bible says be kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as god for christ's sake have forgiven you. So we're to forgive other people just like God has forgiven us. And when God forgives us, God doesn't hold it against us any longer. Hebrews 8 and 12, the Lord said, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. When you say I'll forgive him, but I'll never forget it, you've not forgiven him you have not forgiven. And I suspect there are going to be many people who will lose their souls eternally because they do not have a forgiving heart. These new definitions, God being redefined in Jesus Christ, emphasizes that man is bigger than we thought, sin is worse than we thought, that love is wider than we thought, and forgiveness is longer than we ever thought. And we need to search the scriptures to make sure that we are doing the very thing God requires of us today. It may be that you've never given your life to Jesus. God sent Him into this world that you might be forgiven. And when He forgives you of your sins, He forgets those sins. He does not hold those sins against you anymore. I'm speaking to someone right now who may have been watching Getting to Know Your Bible for a long time. Maybe you've been watching this telecast for as long as we've been on the air. And you've heard me talk about how to be saved. That in order to be saved, you must believe in Jesus. That that in order to be saved, you must repent of your sins. That you must confess your faith in Christ. That you must be baptized into Christ. That those sins be forgiven. That they be washed away in the blood of the Lamb. But you've not done anything about it. The reason God sent Jesus was not just so that we would know what God was like, but so that you and I might know what we are like in the sight of God and that we're sinners in need of His forgiveness, His love, His mercy, and His grace. And I would plead with you with all the love that I have in my heart to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the biggest mistake that a man or woman will ever make is saying no to Jesus. In John 5 and 40, Jesus said, And you would not come unto me that you might have life. Somebody says, Brother Lambert, what, what causes a person to be lost? Are, are people lost because of certain moral sins? Are they lost because they don't understand the, the Bible? They're lost because they reject Jesus. Because unless you reject Jesus Christ, you'll not be involved in any kind of a sin. And we could not have the right to turn our backs upon the one that God sent into this world for our salvation. So rather than reject him, I would urge you to accept him. And I ask a question that was asked in the long ago by Pilate. What then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And ask, what are you going to do with Jesus, who is called the Christ. Well, somebody says, Well, Brother Lambert, I'm not going to do anything with him. Oh, yes, you will. You cannot remain neutral about Jesus. Jesus said, either you are for me or you are against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. So we either gather and we're scattering. We either for him or against him. You cannot remain neutral. So what are you going to do with Jesus? And it makes a great deal of difference what you do with the one God sent into this world. Yes, God was redefined in Jesus Christ. I've tried to show you some of the ways in which that's the case. And Jesus said that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But God sent him that you might know what to do to be saved and that you might go to heaven. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference in your peace of mind, what you do with Jesus. It makes a difference in, in your influence on other people, what you do with Jesus. Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, I don't think that I, I'm going to hurt anyone but myself if, I, if I'm not a Christian, if I don't live right. I could only wish that were true. But the fact of the matter is we hurt other people when we fail to give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We hurt other people. We hurt sometimes people that that love us the most. We hurt them. And then our eternal destiny is determined by what you do with this man God sent into the world. What you do with Jesus And you'll either accept him or reject him. I'd urge you to do the right thing with Jesus. I'm not asking you what other people have done with him. I know what Pilate did with him. I know what the soldiers did with him at the cross. I know what other people have done with him. But the important question right now is this. What will you do with him? What will you. Do with Jesus, who is the Christ. God loves you enough to send him. And God did his part. But are you going to do your part now? You know, a man asked on one occasion, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he was told to believe on the Lord. And you'll be saved, you and your house. He was an unbeliever. He was a pagan. And that was the beginning point. And later that man was baptized. He believed. He was baptized. And I'd urge you to do that, not because I say so, but because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. So I will repeat my question, what will you do with the Lord Jesus Christ? I want to thank you for watching today and I want to give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And if you're not certain where it's located, why don't you call us, write us, We'll give you the address. And also right now, without hesitation, pick up the phone and call for the free Bible correspondence course. I wish I had the time to tell you the res- letters that we get from people who have taken the Bible course. We got a letter from a lady just recently who is over 90 years old. And when she was 88 years old, she became a Christian. She studied the Bible course was baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a thrilling thing. And of course, there are younger people that are doing that as well. We want you to have this Bible course so that you'll know what God wants you to do. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you is my prayer.
0: Give me the Bible, my life shall guide me in the way. And promise,
1: and love till shall in day.
0: Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call one 711 5214 Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.